Love you, love you. Why didn't I buy shares in Apple in 96 when I walked into someone's house and saw that computer that was oddly shaped? And I said, there's something about that computer. I don't know what it is, but that is something outside the box. And, uh, and a lady said to me in Glee Point Road, 1980, 1980, and I was working at Glee Point Road with my builder mate, and, uh, and a big cart pulled up out the front of the house that we were working on, and, and a dear old lady was in the passenger seat, and the guy got out, obviously very important, lots of money, he just walked straight by me, and uh, I was working in the front yard there, and uh, the old lady called me over and uh, said, son, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm actually working for my builder, mate, and uh, restoring this house. Yes, that's my, my son's house. We've just been down to the uh, stock market or something, and uh, we've just bought shares. I said, shares? No, shares. And uh, we've bought, what do you mean? I said, we bought shares in computers. Now, computers, we only saw really in sci-fi movies. And so nothing's sticking with this dear old lady. And she said, no, trust me, you should buy some shares in computers. They're going to be real big one day. And I went, oh, okay. Yeah, all right. All right. Nice to meet you. All right. <laughs> Done. <laughs> Why didn't I buy some shares? <laughs> I made some money in 1983. I went bush building weirs and dams, Teese Brothers, North Queensland. And I, I, I you know, I... Uh, which was a lot of money. I, I saved $10,000, which, um, anyway, now that's a good story because in that, although uh, I didn't buy shares or buy a block of land at Boomerang Beach for 15000 I had a mate that was already living at Boomerang Beach, and he said, buy the block next door, 15000 And I said, where am I going to get $15,000 from? And uh, such was the mindset that I had. And... Um, well, that house is definitely worth a couple of mil now. And, uh, but out of that story, uh, I met my dear wife anyway. I lost everything, but I met my wife. And that was totally worth it. And um, I, I just, God turns all things around for good to those that love Him according to His good purpose. So I, although I lost everything, uh, I met my wife in the flames, in the ashes, and, uh, and she did. She resurrected me. And, uh, and I just can't believe how the Lord put us together. But He did. He did. And I thank you, Lord. And I'm praying for her now. She's a little bit under the weather. Please pray for her right now. Go and lift your voices. Pray for each other. Pray for Pastor Julie. Just lift your voices and begin to pray. Father, we thank you for your spirit, how you created us and how we're here and how we're in the house of God. We're in your presence. We're recovered. We're, we're alive. We're breathing air. Lord, there's much to go. There's much more recovery and blessing, I'm sure, in your life. But Father, this morning, I pray that this message would touch my heart that this message would be revolutionary to my heart and soul. 
that, Lord, I would win battles today in my mind and my spirit and my soul. It feels like we're in a war every day almost with the culture now and all that culture that is affecting us. But Father, this morning I know that we are winners. I've read the end of the book and we win. We're more than conquerors through Christ who strengthens us. Amen. So Father, right now I I give you my life. I give you all my life, including my finances. And I tell you, when you do that, guys, it's a game changer. The moorings are loosed from this world and you begin to ascend unto the Lord. All those false security systems that you have, all those doubts that you have, begin to be loosed and you begin to ascend into the thermal currents of the blessings of God. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. He knows your life. He's the author of your faith. He's God of the universe. He knows every breath you take. The Bible says He knows every hair on your head. Ha! He knows the intentionality of your heart, the Bible says. He knows you're trying to please Him. He knows you're trying to meet Him. He knows you're trying to seek Him out. He knows you're divinely frustrated. Amen. But He's there. He's coaxing you on. He's wooing you. He's not going to let you go. He's right there for you. Open your eyes. Open your heart. And see God before you. your world. Where's Jesus right now in that situation? Open the eyes of your heart. The Bible says in Ephesians, open the eyes of your heart and see the incomparable glory of God that is before you. Amen. Got to open the eyes of your heart, guys. Got to get in the spirit. Got to come out of the flesh into the spirit. Flick a switch of faith this morning. Let's receive the word. I hope you've got your Bibles. Take some notes at the end of this message. I am going to pray a prayer that will revolutionize your life. Because we want to be totally unencumbered, totally unencumbered to be able to rise into the destiny through the purposes and the plans of God that He has for you and I in the church in this hour. We're in great days, remarkable days, wonderful days. We're in days of the supernatural. Ha, amen. So let's pray again. Let's, Let's hear your voice. Just begin to pray. So Father, we thank You. Thank You for Your Spirit. Come, just say that. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come right now. Minister to us. Revive us. Fill us. Bless us, anoint us, heal us. Thank you for the overcoming spirit, Lord. And the saints say, amen. You can take a seat. God bless your team. Thank you so much. Awesome, Callum. Wonderful, guys. The overcoming spirit, nine steps to freedom. Let's do this. The overcoming spirit series. 
is a series that we've been doing in C3 Tuggery. You can go back on YouTube, like us, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and uh, look back on this because there'll be some great notes if you look back on that YouTube. Uh, you can show it to your friends. Apparently, the, uh, the one I did on Israel is being passed around a bit, and you can see that by the tally of views, uh, 250 views on that. And I threw the gauntlet down of what we, what we stated about Israel, that we stand with Israel. Amen? We stand with them, and of course we're praying for that hum, humanitarian, um, I guess, disaster, uh, you know, and so it's very complicated, but please keep praying. And good news, some, some hostages have been released, and let's give the Lord some praise there that... There needs to be more. There needs to be more. So we've been taught one of the prophetic, just to help people who are visiting and some people who are watching me for the first time, some of our prophetic narrative has been about this, that we, because you need the prophetic, you need the illumination of what God is saying now. The rhema word is now word. It's a word that stirs you in, in, in the now. And so it's a bit like that, the prophetic word it says in Peter to Timothy, uh, to Peter, it, it says the, the, the prophetic ministry shines a light so that the morning star can rise in your heart, so Jesus can rise in your, in your heart. So we know this, one of the strong prophetic, um, I guess, statements that we make is that it's a new season. And we use that scripture in Isaiah, forget the old, I'm doing a new thing. Even forget, I heard one commentator said, even forget the good. Don't just rest on your laurels on all that even great stuff that happened. Forget the bad and the ugly and even the good because I'm doing a new thing now. I'm doing a new thing. And I believe he is too. So it's a new season of great change, say great change, for the church, for the world, and I believe, honestly, that the Lord wants us to abide with Him way closer than probably we ever had. Thank you so much. And so, you'll find that people are doing devotions, like I've never known, Jules, I've never known people to be doing devotions uh, en masse like they are now. We've got version. we've got that great app version. we've got Wild at Heart, I'll talk about that later, John Eldridge, we've got many different, I do another one, Abide is another great app, Abide, I do that in the morning. So that's part of my deal in the morning. I get up in the morning and I am like, I'm just, wow, who am I? Um, and then I flick the switch through five minutes and then I do an hour uh, of devotion and then I return back to my, my identity in Christ, amen. So easy to get jaded and so easy to lose who you are in Christ. So we are, we're desperately trying to abide in Christ we're desperately trying to find intimacy with God. Anyone with me on that? Anyone trying to make inroads will help you with that. And the other thing we talked about, these are the facets of, I believe, what God is 
needing to do in us. We need a closer relationship with God. We need the fear of the Lord and mean a deep reverence of God. In Proverbs 9.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One in understanding. And we teased that out through a great message. We preached all about the fear of God. Proverbs 10.27, and I love this, The fear of the Lord prolongs days, but the years of the wicked will be shortened. And I love this. Um, I, I, I guess it's, a, it's a, a little bit of an explanation of the fear of the Lord because that could trigger someone. Oh, do we have to be cringing? And no, it's, it's fear absorbed in reverence. Fear absorbed in reverence. Did, did you like that? So also, and an abiding in an intimate place of knowing God and walking also from a victorious perspective through the storms, through the trials, through the changing world, you know, walking through this day and age with a victorious mindset, I believe, is what we need. John 15 verse 7 is the, is the classic abiding scripture, and it's talking about if you abide in me and, you are, and, and, and I abide in you, you can ask anything of your desires, and I will give it to you, as long as they're godly desires, and it says, and you will bear fruit if you abide in me. You will bear fruit. And, and it will glorify God. It will glorify God if you abide. So it's all about this close relationship. And we are the branches, he is the vine. And it talks about that in John 15. Change is all around us. Who sees that? Everything is changing. And so we talk about a mindset. We talk about our mindsets. And, well, we could, we could call it wineskin or mind skin. It must change at times. It must change. Our mindsets must change. Our wineskin, our, our mind skin must change to deal with the change around us. Does that make sense? Chuck Pierce, in his classic book, awesome book, and I've preached a lot out of it, Possessing Your Inheritance, which is about possessing your spiritual and possessing your physical inheritance, amen? We possess this land on behalf of God. It was physical. We possess spiritual stuff also in our personal life, but also corporately. We push back the powers of darkness off this city, and we reclaimed it. We took possession of the, of the spiritual atmosphere, and we took claim to it, and we said, this atmosphere belongs to God. So this is how we do Christian life. And that is wonderfully explained through Chuck D. Pierce in his book, Possessing Your Inheritance. It's a little bit about, it's very much about possessing the promised land that is stated in the Old Testament. Your spiritual and physical inheritance, your promised land, taking hold of God's destiny for your life. And he says this, and this might help someone understand this if you understand how the brain works. The adult brain encodes knowledge and skills, joys, regrets, and plans for the future. The brain makes us aware of ourselves by producing thoughts linked with our heart's desires and our belief systems. The brain reflects our emotions by producing thoughts that will cause self-preservation after we have been 
hurt. The brain is constantly changing the landscape of how we see the world. Our mental landscape now is very different than it was, it reads in the book, 10 years, but I would like to say in the last five years especially. The brain is constantly updating itself. We would be wise to follow its lead and adapt a more analytical and creative approach to how we live in this world. Who can say amen to that? So, everything seems to be changing, but God, he changes not, amen? God never changes. He is stable and creative in all things. In the midst of constant change, we have an unchanging God who we can see and know personally, and that's good news. We can see ourselves and the world around us, hang on, through his perspective. We can see our world and our life through the mind of Christ. Amen? If you have sanctified your mind, that is. So this scripture, this parable talks about that. Remember Jesus taught about the wineskin in Luke 5.36 Then he spoke a parable to them. No one puts a piece from a new garment on an old one. Otherwise, the new makes a tear. And also the piece that was taken out of the new does not match the old. This is how you can just do a little bit of a a you know, makeshift repair job on your life. Yeah, I know I need to change. So look, I put a little patch here. I know, I know I need to change, but I'll just adapt some behavioral systems. No, this scripture is brilliant of explaining something. 37, and no one puts new wine, new revelation, a new day to live, amen? No one puts new wine into an old wineskin, or else the new wine will burst out, burst the wineskins and be spilled, and the wineskin will be ruined. 38, But new wine must be put into new wineskin. You've got to come to the altar. You've got to repent. You've got to get a new heart so that that stony heart's got to come out so he can put a new spirit in you. And both, then both are preserved. So you get a great revelation. You get blessed at church. Some amazing counter happens. But at the end of the day, you've got to repent and get a new mindskin, a new wineskin in your life. 39, and no one having drunk old wine immediately desires new, for he says, oh, the old is better. We don't like, we don't like this new wine. We don't like this new way. And No, the, well, I, like, I like how we used to do it. So that can happen too. Amen. So, of course, it's talking about the fermented drinks. Um, or in, in, the, in the Bible days, they used to keep wine in that very... Looking like that looks like it, that flask. And what happens, the fermented drink would swell up and stretch that that skin to the max. So after they've used it, if they tried to put new wine into that into that wine skin and that new wine began to ferment, it would crack the seams of the wine skin. Does that make sense? And so 
This is why the new wine needs to be in a new wineskin, in a new mind skin. Amen? You've got to do business with God and, and repent and allow your heart to be truly, you know, uh, repented, repented unto God, and then God can fill you with that marvelous stuff. Amen? So I believe it's time for the church to elevate evaluate all the resource that seemingly there's so much out there at the moment, isn't there? And one of the great godly uh, resources that we know of and imbibe of is the marvelous and wonderful author, minister and founder of Wild at Heart, amen, who many of the guys here have imbibed in the conference and we've gone away for three days at an end and some of us are still doing it in this house. A great wonderful resource uh, that is prescribed to men and their modern day predicament of this, being told by the culture and the world that they should be basically domesticated and, and they should lay down all that machoism and masculinity and great adventure and the fight that's within us lay all that down and just become these so-called 21st century, um, you know, I guess, I don't want to say it. I've got to be careful what I'm saying. But Wild at Heart is a great ministry, and it's talking about helping people to discover the heart of God and recover their hearts in God's love. So John Eldridge has a new book, and it's a marvelous book, and it's called Re Resilient, resilient. There is the book, and it's talking about restoring your weary soul in these turbulent times. He believes the pandemic of 2020 uh, and those three, four years that we suffered by was a stress test for the future days in which we're going to go through. He says that prophetically that we need to realize this, and I'll read it out. It's powerful what he says. He says, we need to learn new ways to strengthen your heart and soul so you can live with joy. Learn, and he says, we need to tap into the supernatural graces promised to the people of God. Do you love this, Tom? He says, we need to understand how shifting political currents are warning signs of more change to come. Can I hear an amen? He says we need to discover renewed freedom and strength through Christ who lives within us. So the book is called, it's a great resource, it's called Resilient, and it leads you to this wonderful place of peace which we need to deliberately go for. We really, really need to subscribe to that peace. Living in a complicated, busy and a very confused world, we need to continually, morning, noon, and night, and the best way you can do that is through the app. That's an app, pause, boom. It can remind you, the, the phone will, time for your pause, whether it's one minute, three minutes, or five minutes, and then, of course, you can do a whole devotion, 30 days of resilience, and basically, he says, we were all traumatized through the, through the, uh, the pandemic. He says, you probably don't even know it. Uh, a lot of people don't know it. 
uh, but because we're in that pressure, uh, pressure um, cooker of existential drama, he says, although you might have thought you went through it unscathed, he says, trust me, your reserves were depleted. Your reserves were depleted and you're probably only getting by on a wing and a prayer right now. Does that make sense? So, I love this scripture. It's all about restoring the sparkle in my eyes. Psalm 13, verse 3, the NLT. I love that. Lord, restore the sparkle in our eyes. Amen. You can see people's soul through their eyes. And it's a beautiful thing when you see someone who's obviously had a good start to the day maybe, or who's won a fight over their soul that tends to whinge and complain and view things very negatively. It's a good day when you meet someone with a sparkle in their eye who actually is present when they're speaking to you and talking to you. Is that a good thing? So the meaning for us in all that is to be an overcomer, Romans 8.31. And because of our time, I will fleet through this, but it's talking about the love of God. This is our go-to scripture. It's in Romans 8.31 down to 39. And for time's sake, I'm going to skirt through it. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? I've always had this image, even if I was in a stadium, you know, a stadium with 50,000 people surrounding me. I'm getting, I've actually, Julie and I have actually been to the Colosseum in Rome where they would sacrifice the Christians uh, and, you know, martyred uh, through wild animals or whatever. But, uh, and, and that Colosseum did in its heyday hold 80,000 people. And I thought, the Lord gave me imagery about this years ago, and I thought, even if I was standing in the middle of that, that coliseum, that arena, and you had 80,000 people, you know, mocking you and putting the thumbs down, you know, if you have God on your side, you could quote this scripture, what then shall we say to these things? that are against us, that are persecuting us, that are trying to beat us down. If God is for us, who can be against us? 37, yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that either neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. So we're talking about the overcoming spirit. And you see stories about that. And when I was reading my devotion and I went to Acts chapter 16, uh, verse 6 and 10, and because of time again, I'm not going to be able to read the story out. But it's a story about Paul and he's trying to honor God with his companions launching out. The book of Acts is all about launching out 
with the gospel message. They're filled with the Spirit. They want to launch out. And this happens to Paul and his companions. They tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. Paul had a vision of a man in Macedonia. This could be like Jilly and Andrew. They they want to do this, but then they get pulled up and they realize, oh, the Lord is speaking to us about starting a church over on the, on the, you know, the East Coast, uh, at Erina maybe, at, at Faris, along there. The, in actual fact, they had a vision of someone praying, would you start a church, uh, please? And, and actually begging, the Bible says, begging him, come over to Macedonia, come over to Erina, come over to uh, Terrigal, come over to the East Coast. And the Bible says, help us. But something happens. The Lord intervenes and stops Paul making this great decision, he thought, of entering into this certain other region. And the Lord says, no, that's that's a comfortable way out. We all want the comfortable way out, don't we? When we witness to someone, when when we're trying to honor God, it's not all comfortable. The Holy Spirit... Holy Spirit, help us listen to you when you're saying, no, this is the way I want you to go. And that this Christmas, I believe that there'll be certain moments when you're going to, I want to sit next to this person. They're easy to talk to. They're not going to ask me anything. No, this Christmas, I believe you're going to sit next to this one, this other one that you know is going to ask you or, or rub you the wrong way somehow. Amen. So, of course, we want to be comfortable. It's human nature. By the way, when you get saved, it doesn't take away the human nature, all right? You still have human nature. You still want to protect yourself. You still want to preserve yourself. And you still want to do all these crummy other things too, but like being greedy and selfish and not serve and, and, and not live the entirety of your Christian life. And you want to huddle into Christian little, little communities, you do, but when you listen to God, he, he asks you to do something that's probably not comfortable, and that's what he did. You can see that in Acts chapter 8 to 10. The Spirit moved the first Christians from Jerusalem to Samaria and to other nations nearby. So now they've found themselves in this great proximity of where it all happened with Jesus and where Paul received his revelation. And let's do it all here in Jerusalem. This is all, no, the Holy Spirit, because you receive power to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria to the ends of the earth. It's about being a witness, the Holy Spirit, not just speaking in tongues, amen? And then the Spirit appointed missionaries to go to other lands, Acts 13, just like my son-in-law, Garth Ball and Jamie Lee. And if you continue reading, it says they were spread out into Europe, Macedonia, Greece, and beyond. But he blocked them from going the easy way. Who feels the push of the Holy Spirit to do something that is a little bit outside their comfort zone, beyond their comfort zone? I love this. Let's put this up. The Holy Spirit, and this is the good news. He solves all sorts of crazy problems. And if you look at this, the Spirit enabled the church to deal with racism. 
persecution, conflict in government, differences amongst leadership, powers of evil and unbelief. After facing each of these problems, the church, you can take a photo of that if you want, the church grew through all those scriptures. You see the church growing through all these complications. So we have no excuse, folks. The church should be rocking and rolling for Jesus, growing and thriving, amen? Because it happened then, it can happen now. Likewise, the Spirit can overcome any fears, anxieties, and hesitations that we may have about sharing the good news of sharing Jesus. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, give me the courage to share your love with the people you want me to share with today. And the saints say, now very quickly, November is a prophetic month. It's Kislev. It's the ninth month in the spiritual calendar. The connotations of it and the emphasis of it is trust, hope, and security, meaning that there will be an emphasis for you to realign yourself to trust and hope and the security that is only in Christ Jesus. Did you get that? And God, in this month, wants to show his faithfulness to you. Amen? So in this month, God is showing us our identity and our authority, our God identity. Who needs that? Who needs their real identity in Christ Jesus? And he wants to show you the authority that he has given you through Christ Jesus. Kislev is also the month where the Feast of Hanukkah begins, the miracle of light. Andrew likes to preach on light. Is that right, Andrew? Hanukkah is a celebration on Wednesday, December the 6th, about light. That's where Jesus says, I am the light of the world. He was in that festival and he goes, actually, I am the light of the world. What? You're not the light? No, this ceremony is, this tradition is. It's all about what we're... No, I am the light. The name Kislev derives from the Hebrew word for security and trust. This is the month, one prophetic person said, this is the month to enter into a new level of trust and rest in God. We are indeed called to be overcomers. The month of Kislev is an incredible time to break out of identity that would try to hold you in your past and press you into your destiny and future. It's represented by the tribe Benjamin, the tribe associated with that month. A small tribe, but they could, they could wield a bow and shoot a bow with their left arm. They were just phenomenal warriors, amazing. And so that little, the last tribe of Israel, the Benjamin tribe, is a representation of what the church and your spirit can, can be like, amen? When you feel like you're just a little, little tribe, a little family, but you know, with that Benjamite spirit in you, and guess what? Saul came from Benjamin, from the tribe of Benjamin, and, and Paul came from Benjamin. So they're, they're, it's a great legacy to have. So they talk about this door that beckons us, that we've got a war for, to walk through. I love that. It talks about walking into a new dimension of freedom, which is what I want to talk about in a moment. And so, Father, we pray. Just, just help me pray right now. Father, there is a door beckoning us to walk through. 
into a new dispensation of my belonging to you and walking out my days in you and fulfilling my purpose in you. Father, I pray that my soul would be set free, that my emotions would be set free. The Bible says we have an inheritance, a portion. Psalm 16 says that. It says that you have a space, a territory, an arena. You have a soul that you are responsible to. We are a steward of that and what we do with that. Our chief desire is that we have the Holy Spirit presiding over our soul, over every area of our soul. The Bible says, Deuteronomy 1.8 says, See, I've set the land before you go and possess the land in which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give them and their descendants after them. Deuteronomy 8.1 says, Every commandment which I command you today, you must be careful to observe that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers. We're warring. We're warring for our soul. We're warring for ground, spiritual ground and physical ground. We're warring against the enemies of this age. And we must learn to occupy and possess certain dimensions of our life for His glory's sake. Amen? Is someone hearing me this morning? When we possess the portion that God has for each of us, we become whole. We are fulfilled and full of peace. This is what we are actually warring to accomplish. We must be a people who settle for nothing less than the abundance the Lord has for us. And yes, every time we break through and get success, there is another war. Seemingly, there is another door that we need to walk through. Just when you think you're on your way to enjoying peacetime, there is another increment of warring for another breakthrough. Luke 21 verse 19 says, in, and it's in context of persecution and the world against you, it says this, we are called to possess our souls. This is 19. And it's talking about possess your souls. Don't get anxious. Don't be fearful. Hold the line. And the scripture actually says, stand firm and you will win life. And then verse 13 says, so that you can bear testimony at your Christmas table, in church, in the community, the marketplace, and beyond, so that you can bear testimony in that arena, in that Colosseum, in that arena of mockery and, 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 and you know, I, I guess embarrassment for some, shame, Whatever that world is trying to put you in, even your school friends, you feel like that that school is a coliseum where everyone is, is at you and against you. No, you can stand in that school and be strong. And the Bible says he will give you the words. He will give you the ability to hold the line. He will give you the ability to bear testimony to Christ. I've got to say this. It's, it's a bit... It's a bit me now being Dr. Phil, but emotional unavailability looks like this. It is the invisible wall that separates us from the deep connections and sense of belonging we all seek. Often manifesting in super, superficial interactions 
and avoidance of vulnerability and a guarded heart. Now, guys, this is the only way we can truly be people who can evangelize, is that when you are healed, made whole, and you can sympathize and understand people's plight, no matter what it is, it looks like this. What does it look like? Emotional unavailability looks like this. Discomfort with deeper conversations. Incredibly rigid boundaries, not letting people in. It's also defensiveness or shutting down when vulnerability or accountability is expected. It's also diffusing emotionally intimate or vulnerable situations with jokes, by not taking things seriously, which is a classic syndrome in Australia. Being distant and refusing to share or ask about experiences, thoughts, or dreams. Being dismissive about emotions, yours and theirs. Not being mentally present. Keeping people at a distance by repeatedly canceling plans or not keeping commitments or not returning messages. Peter Sicazzo, which is another great resource that you would do well to imbibe of, emotionally healthy spirituality, because I'm telling you, you will not, he says, I'll say it, he says it better, emotionally healthy spirituality. It's impossible to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. Peter Schizera, huge church, 25 years ago, I believe, was having a burnout. But on the surface, he was doing amazing, but he was burning out. He was losing his marriage. And he realized, oh, this is all in my strength. And I've let it get to my wife. I've let it get to my family. So he brilliantly puts in this wonderful program that a lot of us have done and are doing about what it means. An important part of wholeness is integrating your feelings, your emotions in wellness. I'm nearly there to the prayer. I'm nearly there. Is this all right? It's it's pretty strong stuff, this, I, I know, but... Please, it'll save your hide. Wholeness and spirituality go hand in hand. It's the part of Christianity that, is, that, that helps you lead people to Jesus and it allows you to be whole. And I need to quote this. Any and important part of wholeness is integrating your feelings, your emotions in wholeness. You can't lead people into wholeness until you are whole yourself. You can't enter their world. You enter only to the extent of your own feelings you allow yourself. Fear, pain, rejection, shame, but also joy, peace, and righteousness. All those feelings are part of the huge gamut of emotions and feelings you have. But if you shut any of those down, you will not sympathize and acknowledge or tweak to who they are and what they're trying to tell you. Does that help? You just have no, you just have no, I'm not talking about that area. I don't talk about it personally, and I'm not going to talk about it to you. And that's probably the biggest problem in marriages in, 
in, in marriage is being emotionally transparent. It's a journey of discovering your true self and letting yourself be reconciled through Jesus that you become a true disciple and a discipler to others. Now, let me just take you through nine steps quickly of freedom. Father, I just pray right now that you'd help me to just to change up here right now. John Eldridge says, the utter relief of holiness. The utter relief of holiness, which is another great book of his, Free to Live. Phil Cairns, I'm going to get some really good brownie points of Phil Cairns this morning. I think he actually gave this one to me. Free to Live. And in the very start of that book, there is a scripture. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and be holy. Without holiness, holiness, no one will see God. The utter relief of holiness. Quote John Eldridge, I love that. Father God, we just pray right now that you are setting us free. I believe the Lord has and he is taking the church through a time of sanctity, as, as it says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 24. He's sanctifying the heart, the soul, and the mind. He wants the church to be purified because he's going to optimize the church in great power and signs and wonders and miracles are going to be the story for the day. But first, he wants the church to be unfettered, uncluttered, um, he, he wants the church to be healed. He wants the church to be free. Here's nine steps to freedom. You can use these. Now, listen. This is just not a patsy, patsy prayer. I'm going to do it as quick as I can. But I, I was in a situation where something got on me. I was in a meeting. And there was something got on it. And I, I probably have to mention it to give it some credence of what I'm saying but something got on me that that I realized whatever transpired in that meeting it got on me does that help it got on me uh, let's call it the spirit of control the spirit of control the spirit of control is manipulating and it, it's actually witchcraft at, at the end of the day but people do it and we're all guilty of it but it actually can be a spirit and you know, you know, and you know when it knocks you out of, out of it knocks you off your horse, basically. And, and, and you feel like you're in this funk. You're basically depressed that you've received a spiritual mortal wound somehow. It can change your mood. It can really change your ability to stand up as that born-again believer. It could be that something got on you and that now you need to be set free from. Amen? And I believe this will happen more and more in these days. The enemy will try and knock the saints out of the race. And he will try and get to them and spoil their calling, their, their identity and their witness and their reputation. But I'm here to say to you, there are nine steps, and you do well to take note. Father, we declare Jesus as our Lord and Savior. The Bible says, Hebrews 3, 1 says, Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, 
consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Jesus Christ. We declare that. Amen? Two, set aside pride with total humility. Father, we come before you with a humble spirit. Bible says, likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Amen? Three, confess your sin. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I'm going to stop there. So school kids, if you're at school, something gets on you and it's really messing with your spirituality, pray it off you just like this. Four, repent of all your sins. He who covers his sins will not prosper. So if you try and hide those sins, if you try and pretend it's not happening or, or it's not affecting you, it's not a good day. What, so it says, he who covers his sins will not prosper. But whoever confesses and forsakes them will, will have mercy. They will be, receive mercy. Proverbs 28, 13. Five, forgive other people. And what it, whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you your trespasses, Mark eleven twenty five to 26. Lord, we ask, Lord, we forgive all the people in our world. Six, cut out associations, break from evil practices, nor shall you bring an abomination, meaning detestable things, idols, things that represent an idol in your world. When I got first saved, I got rid of a couple of idols. Music was one of them. I love music, by the way. There's nothing essentially wrong with music, but it was an idol for me at that time, and I had to do something to deal with that, if you know what I mean. So, cut out associations, nor shall you bring an abomination, detestable things, idols, into your house, lest you be doomed to destruction like it. You shall utterly detest it and utterly abhor it, for it is an accused thing. Seven, be free from every curse over your life. The Bible mentions blessings and cursings 600 times, meaning things like breakdowns in emotions, relationships, and health can be a cursing. Repetitive things through your generational lineage, things that keep happening, which you need to own up to and be responsible to, and cut off through a prayer like this. Breakdown in emotions, relationships, and health can be cursings. Jesus took the curse upon himself so we can have the blessings of Abraham. And the Bible says, Galatians 3, 13 to 14, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessings of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promises of the Spirit through faith. Say faith. Eight, take your stand. You've got to take a stand, guys. 
Take your stand and he will stand with you. Pick a side. Whose side are you on? If the Holy Spirit gives you a name, name the Spirit you are rejecting. Just under your breath maybe. Just state that, that, that thing that you think is controlling you. Take a stand with God and verbalize it. Maybe say, you spirit of control, I take a stand against you in Jesus' name. That's what I did on the day. When I recognized, I said to Julie, something's on me, I don't know what it is, I've been like this all day, she knew something was wrong with me. And I explained the situation I think I went through, and she said, Let, let's pray. And I, and I said, you spirit of control, you come off me right now in Jesus' name. I take a stand against you in the name of Jesus. And I tell you to go in Jesus' name. And nine cast out prayer. Let's pray this. My Lord Jesus Christ, I believe you are the only Son of God, that you are the only way to God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe you rose again so I can be forgiven. I believe you rose again that I may receive eternal life. Tell me when they're up to me. Oh, I'll say it from up here. I believe you rose again that I may receive eternal life. Let's all say this together. I humble myself. I humble myself. I put aside pride and dignity that does not come from you. I believe you rose again that I may receive eternal life. Next screen. Thank you, Lord. Father God, we thank you, Lord. Now we cast out all controlling forces. Let's do this together. I'm saved and forgiven and raised to life through the resurrection of Christ Jesus. My life belongs to Jesus because I have no claim to, because I have no claim that doesn't make sense because I have no claim. Oh, it does. Because I have no claim to mercy except that you lost your life for me. Okay, continuing. I confess any known sin. I confess all my sins and hold nothing from you. I hereby confess, I repent of all my sins. I turn away from my sins and I turn toward you, Lord Jesus, for mercy and forgiveness. I forgive everyone that has wronged me. I lay aside all the bitterness and resentment. Lord, I desire to experience God personally including how to be a dwelling place of God's manifest presence and live inspired from the inside out. To remove hindrances in my life with God and discover intimate life with God through communion with the Holy Spirit. To be an atmosphere changer and influence in my sphere and so much more, and the saints say, and the saints say, amen. Father, we come before you. Let's all stand. Lord, we just thank you that you are 
setting us free. Let, let's just ponder that moment just for a bit. Just close your eyes. Father, I know you can deliver me from every curse, from every sin, from every besetting sin, from every generational curse, from every negative word, from every soul type. Say this after me. Jesus, I give you permission to loose me from every besetting sin, every generational curse, every soul tie, every negative word, every controlling spirit, every witchcraft prayer, every manipulation. Loose me now, Lord. Release me. I desire to be free, to worship you, to praise you, to live for you, unencumbered, totally set free in my mind, in my heart, in my soul. Lord, I, I desire wholeness, zozo life, by your victory on the cross. You took the punishment of sin. You took the curse of humanity. And now I receive for the reward of your suffering, healing, restoration, recovery, mercy, grace, kindness, goodness. Jesus, fill my cup, runneth over. Restore my life, wholeness, zozo life, eternal life. Jesus, I attend, I, I, I desired to ascend from the doldrums of life, from the carnality of life, from the secular view of life. I desire to Ascend the hill. Ascend the mountain. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? But those with clean hearts, clean minds, clean hearts, pure hearts. Jesus, I lift my voice. I lift my hands. I desire to have the best Christmas unencumbered. not dodging and weaving family members. I am set free. I can, I can fellowship with anyone. I can relate to their hurts, their brokenness, their shame. I can relate to them, Lord, because you've healed me and I am in touch with those emotions. Put me back together, Lord, where I've been fragmented by this world. The desire, the, the, the enemy desires you to be fragmented, to be scattered. Lord, bring back the parts of my personality. Let me be the color. Let me be the nature that you've born me to be. 
I take off every falsehood off my life. Yeah, yeah, that's good. You're getting it. This is good. This is powerful, man. This is not... Now put your hand on your mind. I put on the helmet of salvation that protects my mind from the enemy's plans. And the Bible says it's a hope of salvation. I put on the hope of salvation. I put it on my mind. From this day forward, my mind will be preserved and my mind will acknowledge and revere God Almighty. My mind will be protected by Christ Himself. I put on the breastplate of righteousness. I put that on right now to protect my heart from every fiery dart of the enemy. I gird my loins with truth, which holds up the breastplate of righteousness. We talked about that. I gird my loins with truth so that, Lord, I can reproduce after you, that I can win souls and disciple and bear fruit. Gird your loins with truth. He's talking about your reproductive nature of bearing fruit for God. I put on the shoes of the gospel to stand in any situation that is uncomfortable, but you've called me to by reason of your perfect will for my life. I put the shoes of the gospel on the shoes of peace. I take the sword of the word, the sword of the Lord. I I, I lift it up. Your word and your name, the Bible says, is exalted above the earth. And with this other arm, I pick up the shield of faith. And I display that shield of faith against the enemy's plans. And now, Lord, I link with my brothers and sisters I don't know if you saw that movie, that Russell Crowe centurion. They lifted their shields above and joined the shields over themselves. Now I lift my shield of faith over my brother and my sister. And Lord, I know I will care and love and support and be mindful of my brother and sister beside me, Jesus. Amen. 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 Something's definitely happened in a a whole bunch of you. Something's been taken off your life. Some curse, some, some wicked plan, strategy from the pit of hell. Father, we thank you, Lord, right now. Can we just sing a, a song just for a bit? If, if that's still working in your heart, just come to the altar if you like. We've got a few short.